and welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holstrom. As we begin to close out our second season this month, we'll be talking about a topic that impacts everyone from consumer to manufacturer, and that topic is the supply chain. In today's episode, I'm talking with Ryan Powell about how Insight AI is working with food companies and retailers to better understand consumer behavior. Throughout the episode, we talk a lot about data. We touch on clean data, predictive modeling, micro-segments, ecosystems, and so much more. If you're in charge of purchasing, planning, or predicting, you won't want to miss this episode. We also address issues relating to the supply chain, including how AI tools like this can help forecast disruptions and how food companies can be better positioned to stay ahead of the game. Enjoy the episode, and be sure you're signed up for Food Processing's daily e-newsletter so you can stay in the know about the news impacting the food and beverage industry. Head to foodprocessing.com newsletters to get on the list for our daily e-newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every weekday morning. Ryan, I would like to welcome you to the Food for Thought podcast. Erin, thank you very much. I am very pleased to be here. It is great to have you on. And I want to kick things off um, by let's start talking a bit about what Insight AI is all about. What does the company do and who is your end user? Yeah, uh, thank you very much for, for the forum. Insight AI, we deliver artificial intelligence solutions uh, focusing on hyperlocalization. So solutions that are really tailored or customized to specific problems or platforms that customers are looking, uh, looking for or problems they're looking to solve. We um, primarily focus on CPGs. Um, every now and then we do connect with, with retailers, but our primary customer is the CPG, and we do a wide range of things in the artificial intelligence space. With all of the mountains of data out there, it can definitely seem overwhelming with what to do with it and what direction to take with it. Can you explain um, from what Insight AI's point of view, what the AI aspect, can you talk about that a little bit more and how it incorporates the data that CPG companies are feeding into it? Yeah, yeah, and, and this is actually a question that is one of the first hurdles that we have to overcome when we're dealing with CPGs. Um, usually there is a fairly limited data set. Um, we know that there's a universe of data out there, but what's actually usable and complete and clean is a, is a fairly limited data set. So one of the things that we're finding is that as we start to bring in these kind of mountains of data, one of the first things that we really have to align on is what is clean and complete and, and what is very accessible. The, the second part of that, I think, really then factors into the, the, the remainder of the mountain um, which is all of these really small data points. A really good example that's um, coming up very frequently right now is things like mobility, right? Like external data that can really enrich some of the answers um, from, a, from a predictive system 
that allows you to to kind of derive and and, and do different calculations than than uh, you you would be able to do if you didn't have it. Um, but you have to figure out how to incorporate that, how to plug it in, where it makes most sense, what type of calculations can leverage it best. Um, and, and when we're talking specifically in the food production industry or food services industry, um, th that type of data is hugely important to understand where are people going to be, what are their patterns, um, things like that. With, uh, with COVID as well, you know, we're seeing a lot of that data that can also be incorporated in, in understanding, you know, will people leave their houses? Will people go to specific restaurants? What type of behaviors will they exhibit? And, um, and some of those COVID data sets will derive, you know, kind of these knock-on forecasts or knock-on patterns that will essentially affect that, that consumer behavior. So um, to your point, there, there is a mountain of, of data out there the, the best approach or, 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 or way to face the challenge if, if you're sitting in a situation where you're, you're a CPG or, or, or a food producer is to start to kind of analyze each of those data sets against that core base data set that you have and, and really start to understand what the value of those components are to your specific business. Because um, it, it's a, artificial intelligence and, and leveraging data is a, a little bit like alchemy in the sense that, you know, uh, when you're developing a specific potion, it's so custom to, to that CPG or, or, or that partner that, um, you know, as you start to, to kind of try and take that somewhere else, sometimes it just doesn't work because a data set that was very uh, usable and sensitive to a specific partner is not as usable or sensitive to another partner, and essentially it can take you backwards in accuracy. So uh, ultimately... The, the mountain of data, I think, really needs to be deciphered, tested, and, and from that, you, you kind of need to drill down into those, you know, couple needles within the haystack of external data within that mountain that can really support the, the answers in, in, a, in a positive way uh, and, and, and support your accuracy increase. You used a term that I'm not as familiar with that I'm asking you to elaborate on. What exactly is clean and complete data? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, thank you for actually giving me the opportunity to elaborate on that because this is something that every single company, partner, student, anyone that's leveraging um, any artificial intelligence to drive predictions or understand trends or, or, or do analytics is going to come up against. And essentially, the, the cleanness of data really comes down to the fact um, of is everything in the right column? Is, is everything categorized correctly, spelled correctly? Um, do all the characters um, align the same? Because what, what you're using in artificial intelligence is, is really lever being able to crunch a bunch of numbers in a, in a very small amount of time frame. Um, you know, that, you talk about that mountain of data. You're crunching a mountain of data and numbers and attributes, and you're correlating everything and calculating everything. And to, to do that and to get the best answers, everything in there in an ideal state is as clean as possible. And that way you don't get anomalies or outliers that aren't, you know, mathematic, ma mathematic or statistical outliers, you know, driven by formulas. You know, uh, you know, because if, if, you're, if you're getting those, you want them to, to be relevant, um, you know, based on the math you're using. 
you don't want them to be irrelevant based on you know something that's unclean right that sends that sends accuracy down or or, or confuses the system or, or the output the second piece of that which is the completeness is something that we deal with a lot especially in cpg where we are getting data sets where we might have a certain only have a certain amount of brands or we might only have a certain amount of markets or we might only have you know data for a specific period or, or, or something along those lines. So where you, have, um, where you have a projection or a prediction that needs to be executed, but you only have a slice or a sliver without having the complete picture. And in some of these cases, you can kind of work around it. So you know, if we're dealing with um, a specific set of brands and you know, we, we, know, we know what our brand is really well, we have all of our data, we have some of you know, the retailer data, some of the market data, we can start to put certain pictures together. But for example, if you're dealing with very localized, specific fragmented data that's you know, potentially receipt data or partial loyalty data or, or, or partial sales data, that's where it becomes a little more tricky because you can start to get these signals that actually send you in the wrong direction. And, and I think that's one of, um, you know, when we talk about the alchemy piece of it, that's really one of those things where you need to understand not only um, the math behind it and how to actually approach the artificial intelligence, but you really then need to also understand what your raw materials are to play with so that you can actually produce the best results out of, out of those raw materials versus just applying a methodology in a cookie cutter fashion and actually end up getting probably worse results than you would have done with a very intelligent analyst that knows the category and the data and those type of things. So I know in doing the research for this particular episode that Insight AI's tool can help the food processors listening to this episode um, with behavioral predictions. Can you um, walk me through you know, walk me through what that's all about. Yeah, sure. The, w- one of the, the best things about leveraging um, an artificial intelligence methodology, and you know, we, have, we have great tools to do it, but, but it's really the, the principles around artificial intelligence that allow us to do this that, that can be achieved through, through lots of different means. Is that as you start to crunch the data, and you're not just dealing with um, quantitative data, you're dealing with qualitative components, what you can start to do is, is not only understand kind of what's going to happen, but you can start to understand the fragments and the segments and the clusters behind what's driving that, that future or, or that prediction. And I think for us, that's what really allows us then to start to understand behavior in a very segmented fashion. And, and this is something that I think I've probably overused this term over the last six months intensely, but we're seeing so many micro segments that have um, popped up and it's driven by a combination of um, different trend timelines, you know, specifically driven by the current external environment and, and the health crisis and, and those type of things. Um, so, so we're seeing, seeing timeline driven components but then we're seeing buying behavior or shopper behavior um, components as well. And so you, you've got an ecosystem that prior to this was fairly understood. And now what we're seeing is, is that ecosystem that we understood is not only changing in these short bursts 
but they're also fragmenting within those, within those changes. And so it just, um, to understand that, that, that behavioral component of it is really important, and that behavioral component of it is really telling you which groups of shoppers or, or consumers are changing, how quickly they're changing, what groups they're falling into, and then ultimately how can you then focus on, on that level of understanding to then predict their buying pattern. And, and this, we believe, is going to become hugely more important for, for really everyone in manufacturing and retail to, to, to understand because it means that some of these behaviors are going to be short-term and some of them are going to be long-term. And you really um, have an ability to, to actually influence and drive and, and, and set some of those behaviors within these kind of short burst trend cycles. And so um, that, that's one of the, the huge benefits that we've seen. And, and it really is you know, all about understanding your, your customer or your consumer at the level in, in how they're thinking about the category they're purchasing in. I loved what you're talking about with the helping um, identify, helping isolate, you know, potential short-term or longer-term behavior. And if we have learned anything in the last year, especially this past year, um, it's that what disruption, how disruptions can so severely impact things, um, you know, obviously across the entire supply chain, but, you know, food industry right now. Is this tool able to help with forecasting when disruptions occur, um, you know, say like a global pandemic, uh, which also prompts supply chain disruption? And I bring that up partly because let's say you are a food manufacturer and you're looking at your consumer data, you can see that, oh, you know, we make this particular brand of oat cookie let's say, or we use a certain kind of oat or something in our, uh, in our product formulation. Is this the kind of tool that processors can use to say like, okay, we need to make sure that we have an excess or we can see people in the Midwest or people in the East are really buying a lot of this particular oat cookie. We need to make sure that we have ordered even more of the oats that we need. Is that how this tool can help? Yes. Uh, it's, it's absolutely one of the ways um, that kind of leveraging these techniques and these tools you can benefit so, so firstly, you know, understanding, hey, if I have issues further up the supply chain or, 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 the, or, or sourcing components, I can start to take a look at those and analyze those and forecast um, and game plan for, for what I'm going to have that I know and, and then lead that in and, and you know, have a, a kind of trickle-down strategy to say, okay, now I know ha have my kind of core materials and understand what I'm going to have. Here's what I can do with those. And so absolutely – we can um, predict, you know, based on, on those materials and, and what we know, um, what we're going to be able to do with them and ultimately what results we're going to get, in, you know, um, through, through the demand and the, and the purchasing. I think um, to add to that, though, one of the most interesting things that, that I've seen and, and, and been working on over the last couple months is, is not only just understanding the disruption from, the, the kind of um, sourcing uh, component or, or disruption from, you know, the global pan pandemic component where, you, you know, things are happening and, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we have? What can we do? 
Um, it's also from the standpoint of, of saying, hey, you know, if there's a major area of our business that we didn't see coming, that, that we didn't necessarily have that strategic plan for, um, leveraging the, the artificial intelligence and, and the speed and the, and the scenario planning that you can do with, with tools like this really gives you the ability to essentially disaster control or, or crisis control your, your um, environment. And, and what I mean by that is really, you know, if you have a system in the background and you have, you know, some potential um, situations where you can't, you can't source materials for certain products or you can't now, um, uh, you know, actually deliver certain products to the store or, you know, if you're growing something, you know, you have an issue where, you know, you can't grow something as quickly or, or you can't harvest it or, or process it as quickly. What this will allow you to essentially do is understand not only the issue at hand, which is what do I do with what I can produce or what I do have and where do I put it, um, but also taking a look at, at a larger kind of portfolio level and saying, all right, you know, what other things do I have and how should I approach leveraging those other, you know, products, brands, avenues, um, you know, and where, you know, where, where should I leverage them? Um, you know, if, if, if I have a, a, a issue where, you know, there's a certain batch of product that I can't use because of whatever reason or I can't deliver, you know, do I just shift things from other places? And what's the impact to that, right? That, that's kind of one view or, or, or thought process. But then there's also, hey, listen, I just can't get anything. You know, I've got a ship that's stuck in, in Panama somewhere. I can't get anything. You know, I've got a whole product line that's going to go down or potentially a whole brand that's going to go down for a period of time. What should I put in? What would be the best bet from a retailer perspective? What would be the best bet from a, you know, CPG profitability or, or, or volume perspective? And then, and then being able to then look at that further in real time and to, and to then say, well, is that the strategy I want to execute? You know, do I want to push the customers or the consumers one way or another? Because, you know, I now know what the outcome of, of this crisis is if I just do the normal thing. So maybe I can start to look at multiple different types of outcomes where, you know, I'm doing something non-traditional or pushing them into, into a different area. Um, and then the last part of that I would say would be competitive information. So let's say, you know, the, the hope is it doesn't happen to you, it happens to your competitor. Well, you know, you can gain some of that competitive intelligence. And the, the time frame you gain is probably a lot shorter because obviously they're not going to announce, competitors aren't going to tell you what's going on. But it ultimately, at retail, you'll start to understand some of the challenges there. And when you have systems that can move very quickly and, and, and analyze in real time and take in some of this non-traditional data or, or qualitative uh, uh, data, you can start to then do the same thing with competitive landscape data and start to understand, okay, my competitor is going to have a supply issue. My competitor is going to have a sourcing issue. How do I capitalize on that? How do I go to a retailer and partner with them or, or, or make sure I'm satisfying the consumer with other products that potentially I wouldn't have had that opportunity if there wasn't an issue with, with that competitive landscape? So th there's so much that can be wrapped into that. Um, what, with what you can do. And, and it really is all about, you know, understanding what's happening in the moment and being able to, to not only project, uh, you know, the outcome of it, but also to strategize along the lines of, hey, listen, you know, something's going wrong. Let's at least see what the best outcome we have in line with the strategy that we actually want to execute. Are there any trends or behaviors that 
your teams or clients are picking up on that you can share? I don't know if that's competitive information, but is there anything that you guys have noticed that you're able to share? Yeah, I, I think, um, I, I mean, some, some of the specifics I'll, I'll dance around a little, but uh, I, I think the, the biggest thing that, that we've seen that's been happening in the market is, is the formulation of some of these kind of micro-segment behaviors that are actually changing the way that people buy, um, you know, people buy products in stores, but more importantly, really how they buy products in channels. And so what, what we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, is really the last year or so has trained people and trained kind of the new generation um, that they, they don't need to do things the way that they were, that they were doing before. And so some of the um, you know, anticipated behavior is that things are going to go back to normal to a certain extent. And, and in some cases, that is going to be true. However, I think one of the biggest challenges and, and, and biggest insights that we've been able to, to reveal is that you really have to understand the segment of, of the shopper in your specific category and how it's changed over the last 18 months to be able to actually um, secure that shopper uh, with long-term loyalty. And so, you know, if you think, um, you, you know, classic brands back in the day, you, you know, big brands that everybody remembers where, you know, you're, you're either one thing or another, right? Um, you, you know, everyone kind of picks a side and it's very polarized and it becomes very loyal to products. It's no longer really that way. The, 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 the landscape's much more diverse, and there are a lot more options and a lot more um, areas where someone can purchase. And so what we're really seeing is that those behaviors are being solidified right now, and, and essentially consumers have had the opportunity to test to be part of different behavioral groups, to test um, different shopping experiences. And so this is all opportunities for the retailers and the CPGs to actually secure new customers that they wouldn't have had access to before. And so because of that now, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a situation where um, the biggest or, or, or largest advantage that a CPG can, can get for, for itself or, and, and a retailer as well is to really deep dive and understand those segments and really understand what's making those segments tick, how they're buying, what the makeup is, uh, so that they can then formulate those larger segments, push people back into these the kind of macro clusters uh, like where, where they were before, where you can manage them more efficiently. Otherwise, the, these fragments are going to continue, and, 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 and it's going to become very, very difficult to satisfy large groups of customers because they all are going to buy in these really fragmented and, and separate ways. And so... Um, we are seeing a lot of that with uh, across multiple categories and, and partners that we work with. And I think um, it's still changing, and, and there will be some settling that happens over the next two years or so. But it is going to look, we believe, fundamentally different. And um, the current uh, you know, consumer understanding and, and you know, um, different roles and, 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 and constructions that we have previously adhered to, we believe, are, are are going to be uh, broken and, and change, and whoever figures that out first, you know, and, and embraces it and strategizes against it, um, is going to see significant wins. You have definitely given our listeners a lot to think about and ponder on, and 
so much information about what Insight AI's tool can help them with. Last question for you is for our listeners, if anyone wanted to reach out, learn more, maybe hop on board and use this tool as well, how could they do so? Yeah, the, the, the best way is to uh, contact me directly. My email is ryan at insight.ai. I'll be happy to connect with you, uh, connect you with the right team members. Um, you can also go onto our website and get an understanding of what we do. But what we find is the best way to understand about this is, is to talk to us, um, genuinely bring your, the challenges that you have. Uh, we are, are going to listen. We are going to kind of break that down, really understand where we can help, really understand where it's better for you to do things yourself or, or, or with other vendors, and approach it in just a really pragmatic way to make sure that you get the best results. So um, engage with us uh, with, with, with your questions, and we'll genuinely help you try and resolve those those challenges, uh, whether it's something small or something large. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today on the Food for Thought podcast. Erin, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And speaking of predictions, let us know your predictions for manufacturing in 2022 by taking part in Food Processing's annual Manufacturing Outlook Survey in November. If you head to the show notes in this episode, You'll be taken to a brief survey where you can give us your insights and let us know your predictions for what manufacturing will look like next year. The survey should take less than five minutes to complete. Your answers will be confidential, so feel comfortable giving us your thoughts. And the results? Well, those will be available in January 2022. everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.